Welcome to the Mary's Cup of Tea podcast. I'm your host, Mary Jolkowski. I'm an author, speaker, and all-around self-love advocate. And this is the podcast that'll inspire you to love yourself. Hello, my self-lovers. Before we dive into today's podcast episode, I want to make sure that you're giving yourself the gift of self-love. Now, if you don't know what the gift of self-love is, it's a workbook that will help you build confidence, recognize your worth, and learn to finally love yourself. And it's now available in stores and online worldwide. Oh my goodness, I've been waiting to say that because I've been working on this book for years. I poured my heart and soul into it, compiling everything that I teach at my retreats and putting it into this heartfelt, relatable, and actionable workbook for you. The cool thing is this book is a combination of me sharing my life story and everything that's helped me on this self-love journey, including body acceptance, and it's a workbook that you can actually write in. So every single thing that I share, you can put into practice right away. There are quizzes, journal prompts, self-reflection exercises, self-love challenges, all of which will help you with body image, confidence, self-worth, and self-love. I'm holding it right here. It's right in front of me and it's absolutely gorgeous, not to toot my own horn or anything, but we've nailed the design on this one. It makes such a wonderful gift both for yourself and for your loved ones. Perhaps you have a friend that could really use this message and that, you know, needs a little push, loving push in the right direction. And I think that this book is just a great gift. Hence, the gift of self-love. So if you haven't gotten it yet, you can get it today by going to maryscupoftea.com slash book. I'm certain that the tools I share in this book will change your life as much as they've changed mine. So again, that's maryscupoftea.com slash book and give yourself the gift of self-love. Hello, my self-lovers. Welcome to another episode of the Mary's Cup of Tea podcast. How are we doing today? I hope you're doing well. I am personally coming out of a little slump. I find that anytime I'm on a really high high, like during retreats or when I'm traveling or when things are all happy-go-lucky with boyfriend and I, or just when things feel exciting, the aftermath is a pretty low, low. So I'm just coming out of that low, low. And I'm currently on a little social media break, just decided to take the weekend away because I've just been feeling really eh with everything and just tuning back into myself and trying to figure out how I want to take things moving forward and what really feels authentic and true to me which I feel like is the journey that we're on constantly. I feel like it's more of a process. It's not like you ever complete it. It's more of a continuous process of asking yourself, does this feel right? Does this feel real? Does this feel true? And then just continuously realigning based on those answers. So because of where I'm at in life and because of some inspirations from the Costa Rica retreat that I want to share with you, I had this idea to create a podcast episode about how to follow your heart. And this came from a lot of things that happened at the Costa Rica retreat. Since we've left, four of the women broke up with their shitty ass boyfriends. (laughs) And another four people, at least that I know of, 
got even closer to their partners because they realize that they're ready to take the next step. And a lot of people have been making these like big decisions in their life ever since uncovering or discovering something big about themselves at the retreat, whether that's involving their sexuality or career paths or spirituality or any other needs, wants, and desires. After retreats, there's always kind of this split where a lot of people make big heart-centered decisions. Again, whether it's them breaking up with their partners or getting even closer to their partners or quitting their jobs, finding new ones or recommitting to their jobs or business or career, or just learning something new and big about themselves and being set off on that trajectory. It's always these big and heart-centered decisions that are the hardest to make because everybody tells us to follow our heart but nobody tells us how to do that. And at a retreat, it's nice because you have this container to do that. But of course, that's not accessible to everybody. Not all of us can go on a retreat, especially at all times of our life. And sometimes we need to know how to follow our heart just in those daily moments of life. You know, when you're just struggling, you're struggling to make decisions, you can't really figure out what you want, you're feeling kind of lost or lonely or stuck that's when following your heart is the most important, but it feels like the hardest. And I had this one retreat sister who couldn't figure out what she wanted when it came to her relationship. And without sharing details, she was basically faced with a really big decision and she was at this crossroad in her life. And again, usually in that situation, everybody's like, follow your heart, do what makes you happy. But What about when you don't know how to do that? Like, what's the difference between, for example, a gut instinct and a rational fear? Like, how do you know when your gut is telling you something? Or how do you know when that's just fear and you shouldn't necessarily listen to it? Or how do you know when you're listening to your own heart or when you've been listening to your parents or your partner or your friends for so long that you don't even know which one of those is your voice or if it's just a combination of so many other people's voices, right? Or also this question of like, how is it that some people are so in touch with their heart and soul and higher selves and others are so disconnected and just struggle to make decisions and feel just insecure and unsure of themselves? And I personally feel like you can sense this from people, like you can sense that energy. One of my best friends, Allie, who you've probably seen on my page, she's an amazing photographer. She photographed the whole retreat. She shoots a lot of my content and things that I post on social media. And she's just an all around incredible human. And she had this opportunity to go back to school and get her master's. And we were texting back and forth about it. And at first she was thinking about doing something with international relations or some kind of business management or maybe an MBA because her undergrad is in human rights. And she's also very well traveled and and cultured and speaks multiple languages. So it could be practical and complimentary, right? And then the next day we met up and she said, you know what? My brother-in-law asked me what I'm really, really passionate about. And I said, it's photography. So I think I'm going to get like a BFA and just 
go to art school and study abroad and see where that takes me. And I think that's an incredible example of following your heart because it's not that she would have been wrong or she is wrong if she changes her mind or that anything, there's anything bad about getting your MBA or whatever, but it's that ability to do something that is seemingly unconventional and something that may not necessarily make sense, but it's something that you feel called to do just in your heart and soul. And you can't really explain it necessarily, but you're just open to that journey and where it leads you, right? And that's something that I really admire in my best friend because she's always like that. She's like, I'll figure it out. It's just, you know, it's just about making a decision and following that trajectory and seeing where it takes you as opposed to constantly hyper-focusing and questioning and doubting yourself all because you're so worried about making the right decision. And sometimes we're so worried about following our hearts that the paradox is we end up following our minds because we're simply overthinking it. And I would actually argue that this day and age, it's more common to be out of touch with your truth than it is to be in touch with it. And this is for many reasons, not to depress you, but I feel like it's really important to go over these things that may be getting in the way of you following your heart, because once you can identify them and put words to them, then of course that awareness in and of itself does the trick where you can just be more more aware to it and in tune and then choose something different. Or you can also see if maybe you want help from like a counselor or therapist, which is totally cool too. But for many reasons, a lot of us are so out of touch with our truth, capital T, truth. And I think the first thing is technology plays a really big role in this, right? We have instant gratification. We're constantly comparing ourselves to others. We're only seeing other people's successes and comparing ourselves to that. And our attention is spread so, so thin We're just constantly looking elsewhere and everywhere outside of ourselves for answers that can only come from within. And on top of that, there's also this just feeling, this energy where it's almost like you just numb out. It's kind of like a zombie when you binge watch TV or doom scroll IG. So of course, all of those things are going to make you really disconnected. I think that's important to keep in mind. And I know it's a conversation that feels redundant, but sometimes it is just as simple as logging off. If you just log off of technology for a day or even a week, if you have the capacity to do that, if you could just get offline for just any amount of time that feels good to you, that's the current situation that I'm in right now is I was really, really resisting logging off because I felt like, you know, I would get behind and I have to share content and promote things and brands and whatever. And I was just resisting it. But I told myself like, Mary, nothing is going to happen in three days. I'm sorry, but nobody is going to miss you. You're going to be okay. If anything, you are missing yourself. And again, sometimes it's just that easy. You just log off for a couple days and do your thing without feeling the need to document it or looking at what everybody else is doing. 
again, I know this conversation is kind of redundant, but as somebody who spends a lot of time on social media, I feel like I know this feeling all too well. And if you've been thinking about taking a social media break, now is your sign. Please go do it. Even if it's just a day, it is so, so worth it. Another thing that may be getting in the way of you following your heart is something that's called the paradox of choice. Essentially, more choice is not always better because our brains get overwhelmed. I don't know about you, but there's been so many times where I'm just at the grocery store looking at all my options and spending way too long trying to pick out a freaking ketchup because there's just so many options. And all of that plays into decision-making fatigue. When you're making too many decisions and when you're, again, just thinking so much about something that really doesn't matter, it does not matter what type of ketchup you get, it's going to exhaust you. And again, this is a paradox because we live in a society where we think that more is better. I mean, it's the number one principle of even economics when I was studying. It's basically the principle that people want more. They want more choices. They want more options. They want more bang for their buck. They just want more. But that's actually not good for our brains. And so it's no wonder that we're constantly stressed out because sometimes even the littlest things can stress us out. And that all just plays into the bigger overarching elements of stress. And so we think that picking out the type of ketchup doesn't actually stress us out, but it does because it accumulates. If you're going on a grocery store trip and you're making all these decisions about the type of ketchup and the type of cereal and the type of ice cream and the type of fruit, and by the end of it, it's just exhausting. At least it is for me. And different people have different thresholds to that. But for me personally, like I just, I hate it. (laughs) I hate it so much. Sometimes I wish there was just a little bit less so I wouldn't spend so much time thinking about it. And the easiest way to fix this is to create less in your mind, just create less options or spend less time making those decisions, like literally just taking the first catch up that you see and deciding that that's good enough and moving on with your life. If you feel yourself struggling to make decisions or dealing with decision-making fatigue a lot, I do have a whole separate episode on it. I believe it's episode number 64 titled, Do You Struggle to Make Decisions? If so, listen to this. But of course, listen to it after because right now we're talking about following our heart and they obviously have some overlap between the two. But if that's something that you deal with, go listen to episode number 64 after. Another thing that may or is probably getting in the way of you following your heart is some kind of trauma, whether it's childhood trauma or adult trauma. If you had a tumultuous childhood or you were faced with difficult circumstances, of course, you never learned how to follow your heart because you didn't have enough options. So this is kind of the opposite of the paradox of choice where you were so focused on survival that you didn't really have the luxury to focus on your heart and listen to your needs and wants and desires because maybe they were ignored when you were growing up or maybe they didn't matter. What I mean by that is maybe you were made to feel like they didn't matter by your parents or caretakers and you were just trying to survive and to navigate this big scary world. So too many choices are often overwhelming, 
but too little options are limiting. So there has to be a happy medium. Also kind of branching off of that, something that can really, 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 really get in the way of your ability to follow your heart is codependency. I myself am a recovering codependent. And if you don't know what codependency is, it's basically always feeling the need to manage other people's emotions. And this generally comes from being in a relationship or having a parent or a caregiver or a sibling or somebody really, really close to you experience any kind of mental health condition that affected the whole family. So if you had a sibling that dealt with depression or bipolar disorder, then chances are your whole family kind of tiptoed around that and your needs were put on the back burner. So you learned to ignore your own needs, wants, and desires because you had to stay strong for your brother, right? Or you had to keep the peace in the household. This is also really big for adult children of alcoholic parents. So if your parents struggled with alcoholism or substance abuse, same sort of thing, you never knew what you were going to get. And so you always had to kind of be a chameleon and keep the peace and put yourself on the back burner and make sure that you were nice and you didn't want to set anybody off, right? And similarly, if you were in a relationship with somebody who struggled with substance abuse or addiction or alcoholism, these codependent tendencies will come out. Another way they can come out is if you were in a relationship or had somebody in your family that has narcissistic tendencies or anything manipulative like that. So basically, in summary, whether... The mental health condition was conscious or unconscious. So whether it was like a bipolar disorder or something they couldn't control or whether it was like straight up somebody manipulating and gaslighting you and abusing you, chances are that that inevitably is going to create codependency within you because you were trying to survive. So you were tiptoeing around And you were trying to do everything you can to make sure this person was calm and steady. And what you learned is that you somehow have the the power or the ability to control other people's emotions. And when you couldn't control other people's emotions, you felt like you failed because everything was a disaster. And so you just learned to somehow (laughs) try to control them better. I'm chuckling because not because this is funny, but because it just takes so long to realize what had happened to you and the long-term effects of that. And in the moment, it feels so, so normal. (laughs) You know, a lot of us have toxic parents. A lot of us have been in abusive relationships in the past. A lot of us have dealt with shit. I mean, even statistically, like it's either you are an addict or you know somebody who's an addict or they're in your household, right? And so because of that, unfortunately, all of us either have the issue or we are struggling to cope with a loved one having the issue. So it's really unfortunate, but your needs, wants, and desires may have fallen to the back burner when there was somebody in your household who was 
fragile or unpredictable or demanded constant attention. And that developed what's called codependency. A lot of people mistake codependency as just being dependent on someone, like maybe financially or emotionally, but it goes so much deeper than that. It involves so much therapy and healing and just a lot, a lot of work. There's entire support groups for codependence and there's just, there's a lot of study behind it. So that's something to keep in mind because I truly didn't know about codependency until probably like two years ago. And it changed my life because finally I felt like there was just a word to describe what I was dealing with, but it essentially came from not only my tumultuous childhood, but also being in a relationship with an addict. And that really (laughs) messed me up and taught me all sorts of toxic, unsupportive beliefs about myself that I carried with me into my adulthood. So yeah, kind of hard to follow your heart when you find yourself in a pickle like that. So if that's your pickle, make sure you get help with that because it's a big deal. Another thing that may be getting in the way of you following your heart, I promise it's going to get dark for a minute and then we will get to some of the lighter, more helpful stuff. But I think it's really, really important to know what's getting in the way so that you can address it. I think... This may be an unpopular opinion, but I think society puts too much focus on work and too little focus on relationships. So for the first time in history, it's normal to move out when you're 18 and go to college and get a job and then live far away from your family and be super duper independent. And I'm not saying that these are all bad things. I obviously fell into a lot of those constructs, but I think that it comes at the cost of being disconnected from our family and our community and our roots. And it comes with the even bigger cost of just feeling lonely. I mean, I know so many friends and just just people in general that have children, but grandparents live across the country. And so there's nobody to help with their kids. So they feel so lonely in becoming a parent, which again is a huge deal and something that used to take a village. And now it's just so normal to live far away from your family. It's also become so normal to talk about toxic family. And again, this may be an unpopular opinion. I have toxic family members. I have abusive family members. I've spent a lifetime avoiding and not talking to certain family members. And there are certain ones that I am still very firm that I do not want them in my life. And I'm a firm believer in that you do not owe your family anything. However, I think that there are some instances where we can forgive and we can have boundaries and we can still try to build or nurture the relationship that we do have, even if it's not ideal. And there's somebody really close in my life where I'm currently working on that. There's two people in my life, my parents, where I'm working on creating the relationship with them that is still close, but close in a way where it doesn't negatively affect my mental health. So again, this isn't always the case. Sometimes cutting people out is very necessary, but I think that with the mental health conversations I see on social media, I feel like there's just an overemphasis on if they're toxic, fuck them, cut them out. And I don't know, but it's never worked that way in history. I feel like we need, we need family, we need friends, we need community. 
And I don't know if it's worth loneliness just for the sake of like, I don't know, just proving a point. I feel like sometimes maybe this is totally an unpopular opinion, but I think that it's very difficult to follow your heart when you don't feel like you have the support system behind you. And not to mention the world is way different now than it ever was for our parents and grandparents. So I get it. A lot of our family members like don't even understand what we're doing with our lives and we feel so unsupported. But I realized, especially with my relationship with my dad, that he doesn't understand because I never let him in. And I'm currently working on helping him to understand in the way, the minimum way possible. And there are language barriers, there are cultural barriers. It's hard to explain so many things to him, but I still think it's worth the effort, even though he's hurt me a lot in the past and he's in a totally different country. He lives in Russia and a lot of his beliefs are outdated and awful and toxic and just so, so difficult to wrap my mind around because I'm from a totally different world, basically. But anyways, all of that to say, I think loneliness makes it difficult for us to follow our heart. And I think the general consensus is like, if you want to listen to your heart, spend time alone. And I believe in that too. I think especially if you do things by yourself and take yourself out on dates, and if you have the opportunity to travel by yourself, all of those things will reconnect you to your heart and yourself. And you shouldn't rely on your friends and family for their opinion or validation. And I think the two things can coexist that a lot of people take it to extreme and a lot of people become totally disconnected from their friends and their family and their communities to a point where they physically can't follow their heart because they're too busy running away from it and running away from their roots and not spending enough time just trying to understand themselves and where they come from and what's important to them. And relationships, it's been shown time and time again that relationships are the number one factor in longevity. The longest living people are in Italy, people who are very focused on family and gathering together and tradition and relationships. I think that is behind a lot of the things that we do. And again, with technology and us being so spread out, we're finding many communities online, which is great, but we lack those communities like in person. So again, take whatever resonates with you and leave the rest. But maybe there's some way that you can reconnect in a way that still protects your mental health and you still have those solid emotional boundaries with people. But maybe there's some space to let people in into your heart. And the last thing that may be getting in the way of you following your heart is mental health. Mental health struggles are on the rise. We know this for a fact. I have a bunch of statistics from Mental Health America, and I don't want to list all of them because they're very depressing. But essentially, youth mental health is worsening. A lot of teens struggle with depression, and that's been rising. This rate is the highest amongst youth who identify as more than one race. So people who feel like they can't find their place in life and their their community and people who really understand and accept them for who they are. 
And even before COVID, the prevalence of mental health issues amongst adults was increasing. A lot of adults experience mental illness and suicidal ideation. That's been increasing. And the number of people looking for help with anxiety and depression has increased throughout 2020 and remains higher than it was pre-COVID, which personally, I know it sounds bad, but I think it might be good because that means that people are getting help and they feel safe to do so. So I don't necessarily think that that's a bad sign, but a lot more young people especially are struggling, especially LGBTQ plus youth and People screening at risk for mental health conditions are struggling most with loneliness or isolation. So that goes back to what I was talking about earlier, that we're just lonely. And for me, what's the most ironic is that we talk about mental health now more than ever. Any therapist I've ever talked to says they're the busiest they've ever been. And there's definitely a lot more awareness. And again, I don't necessarily see the rise in therapy sessions or people getting help to be a bad sign. I think it's actually a good sign because in the past, there was obviously mental health crises, but a lot of people didn't take them seriously. So I think there's just ups and downs to it, just like with anything. It's not all black and white. It's more so in the gray, but there's definitely a lot more awareness. However, this awareness doesn't necessarily seem to be making things better. So I wanted to bring up those reasons because we can't talk about the spiritual side of following your heart without staying grounded in the facts. And the fact is that it's hard as fuck to do that. It's really difficult to reconnect with your truth. It can be lonely and isolating. It's easy to get distracted and disconnected. And all of that being said, it's important now more than ever. So if you are struggling with mental health, by the way, I highly invite you to try out therapy, betterhelp.com slash M-C-O-T for Mary's cup of tea. We'll get you two weeks free therapy. It's the online therapy platform that I've been using for a year and a half now. This is an affiliate link. I love it so much. I became an affiliate, so I get compensated a few bucks for every person that signs up to the platform. But this two-week free trial will give you some time to decide if it's for you. So if you are struggling with mental health or codependency or any of the things that I talked about that may be getting in the way of you following your heart, before we can talk about following your heart, you need to make sure that you're getting help. So betterhelp.com slash M-C-O-T. That is an affiliate link. And I personally think that therapy alone may help you with following your heart because you'll get to explore who you are, just really understand yourself as a person, where certain struggles are coming from, and therapy will give you the tools to deal with them, which can translate to you following your heart. So anyways, let's get into some things that will really help you reconnect to your heart and just learn the difference between the gut instinct and the fear and just be in a place where you just feel excited about life and about the decisions you're making and just feeling really confident and sure of yourself. Also, this does have some overlap, like I said, with episode number 64 about struggling to make decisions and episode number 67. It's called Advice for Finding Your Passion Plus Book Recommendations. The books that I recommended in that episode would really help 
and following your heart in general. So I highly recommend you check them out. I'm not going to list them here because it would be a little redundant, but there is some overlap. So check out episode number 64 about decisions and 67 for advice on following your passion. So firstly, in order to listen to your heart, this is the number one thing that you have to do. Are you ready for it? Journaling. Journaling, 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 pen to paper. I know that's not the sexiest thing to hear, but there's nothing like writing down all of your thoughts and watching yourself process them on paper. If you want to journal, but feel intimidated or stuck on what to write, some things that may help are A, get a guided journal of some sort. There's plenty at the bookstore. My book, The Gift of Self-Love, is a great starting point because it has dozens of journal prompts and self-reflection exercises for self-love. I know I'm biased because obviously I wrote the book, but if you do want that structured and holistic approach to self-love, then this book is for you because it kind of combines me talking to you about self-love and also gives you space to write. And it has a bunch of guided journal prompts so you don't feel lost on what you're doing. It's also filled with all types of different activities. So it's not just a journal. You're answering questions. There's fill in the blanks. There's quizzes. There's self-love challenges. So all of that can be really nice. You can also find a lot of similar stuff on Amazon or Barnes & Noble. There's all sorts of guided journals out there. So if that's somewhere you want to start, that's great. Just as long as you are putting pen to paper and really watching your thoughts and giving yourself the time and the space and the grace to explore and reflect and just let yourself write. It is truly the most beautiful process. Another option is to do what I do, which is called morning pages. So this is an idea from Julia Cameron's book called The Artist's Way. Fun fact, we modeled the design of my book after her book because it's also a journal. Although you can't write in it, you still need a separate journal. But in this journal, she talks about the importance of doing kind of like a brain dump every morning where you write three pages stream of consciousness of just anything and everything that you're thinking. And this must be done before you do anything else. Like first thing when you wake up in the morning, maybe brush your teeth and then put pen to paper and start journaling. The hardest part about this process is honestly staying consistent. I'm on a four day streak right now and I'm really proud of myself because it's like the longest I've ever gone because usually I do it on and off. But when you are consistent and you're allowing yourself to write whatever comes to mind, you start just uncovering new things about yourself, looking at patterns of thinking. The more you start writing things out, the more you start processing, right? Everything just kind of flows out of you and you can process as you write. My journal is honestly a mess. (laughs) Half the sentences don't make sense. I would never read it out loud. I leave it all around the house and I'm not worried about anybody reading it because it truly would not make sense to anybody. (laughs) My thoughts are just all over the place, but this is a part of it and this is something to embrace. I also love asking myself questions. So whether it's self-talk, like when I'm talking things through with myself or when I'm journaling and I'm really struggling with one particular thing, I ask myself questions and I use those as journal prompts in my morning pages. 
So here are three questions that will help you when it comes to listening and following your heart. Number one, which decision would feel like a sigh of relief? Number two, how does this feel in my body? That kind of goes with which decision would feel like a sigh of a relief because a sigh of relief is a feeling in your body. But I like to test out certain things and see what kind of reaction happens in my body because you know right away when something is a full body yes or if it's a full body fuck no, I don't want to do that. And lastly, what am I going to regret the least? When I look back at my life, there's a couple more questions like this in that episode about struggling to make decisions, but getting in the habit of asking yourself these questions and then journaling about them is going to provide you with so many more answers than you would ever have if you were just constantly thinking about them. Because that's when you get into the trap of overthinking, whereas when you're writing, Writing pen to paper gives your mind the ability to slow down because it actually takes time to write physically, not on your computer, but like physically with your hand write. And that gives your time, a, gives your time a mind, gives your mind a time to slow down. And speaking of slowing down, it's also really important to spend time in prayer or meditation of some sort. Again, this works best if you're consistent with it. But the more you train yourself to slow down and be silent and still, the easier it'll be to hear your heart. I'm not the best at meditating, but usually my form of meditation is something like yoga, or I even do simple things like turn off all the music, radio, TV, or just noise in your house. Like sometimes I like to challenge myself to drive without music or work out without music or work without a podcast on in the background or hang out with friends and family without TV on or without really doing anything. Just really focus on the connection, whether it's with yourself or with others. And I know that this isn't directly related to listening to your heart, but the more present you can be, the more space your heart has to talk to you because you're actually listening. Okay, last two things because this episode is getting longer than I thought. Stop filling up every moment of your calendar. I know that it's a privilege to be able to take time off and a lot of us don't have that luxury, but is there anything on your calendar that you can take off or put off until later? Is there any time you can just carve out for yourself to play? And I really mean play. Sometimes that word makes people uncomfortable, but play, play with yourself, have fun, laugh, do art. Read, write, dance, pottery, take a nap, I don't know, tinker with something, go build something, anything that brings you joy, do that. Productivity, energetically speaking, productivity is very head focused, which is inherently masculine energy. It's very like protruding. Um, Is it protruding or protruding? No, it's protruding. Yeah, it's very like masculine, go, 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 do, 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 achieve, achieve, achieve energy. Whereas play is very heart focused and it's an inherent feminine energy and being more in the feminine and flow lets your heart open and really helps you figure out like what you want, where your passion lies, what's your heart telling you. I find that just thinking of things in terms of energy, sometimes I try to like 
just bring some self-awareness into it. Like, am I in my masculine right now or am I in my feminine? Am I trying to figure everything out and get shit done all of the time and putting so much pressure on myself and just going like, or am I really letting myself relax and play and enjoy the journey and listen to my heart? You need that time. And a lot of that heart listening comes from when you're in a state of play because you're fully open, you're receptive, you're joyful, you're just open, receiving, which is the opposite of protruding, right? And forcing. So that's the difference between the feminine receiving energy and the masculine energy. So lastly, remember that following your heart is not equivalent to making perfect decisions all of the time. It's about what opportunities and adventures and lessons can come from your decisions, whether they're quote unquote good or bad. I followed my heart when I moved to Canada for a guy. Even though that relationship didn't work out, it brought me on this life journey. It helped me heal from my eating disorder. It let me play in the mountains. It just let me learn so much about myself. I struggled a lot. I was super lonely. That showed me the value of family and connection and exploring the concept of home and all of those things. So even though Canada or my relationship in Canada didn't necessarily work out, a lot of other things came from that. I also followed my heart when I got a degree in economics, even though I don't use it for anything right now, but I love economics. and I was interested in it and I just decided to do it. And I follow my heart every time I decide what to eat, right? That moment of, mm, what what would taste good right now? What would be nourishing? What would bring me joy? What would, what would just feel good? What do I want to eat? Like you can follow your heart in little moments like that too. So let yourself be spontaneous sometimes and trust that your heart can't mislead that. It can only redirect you. And worst case, you learn what your heart does not want. And that's progress too. So I hope this episode helps you follow your heart, no matter where your heart's at right now. And I love you. And I'll talk to you next time. One last thing before we farewell. If you've been enjoying the Mary's Cup of Tea podcast, we would greatly appreciate if you could leave a short review on iTunes slash Apple Podcasts. Your feedback helps the show so, so much. I absolutely love hearing from you. And as somebody whose love language is words of affirmation, your words mean the world to me. Just go to the Apple Podcasts app and scroll all the way down until you see the review section. And from there, you can just tap the star thing and leave your own review. Thank you so much for supporting me and this greater message of self-love for all. Also, feel free to send this episode to a friend and spread the gift of self-love. And speaking of the gift of self-love, make sure you pick up my book, which is available in stores and online worldwide. Just head to maryscupoftea.com slash book, and you'll find all the links to give yourself the gift of self-love. I love you all so, so much, and I will talk to you next time. Mwah.